Our last few episodes have explored Paige's latest report, the CCO's Paysetter. When my colleague Justin Palahniuk and I were thinking about how we would wrap up this series, it didn't take us very long to realize we didn't have to look too far. Thank you so much for making yourself available for this conversation. It's a pleasure, Elliot. I mean, I, I... Mike Wing is one of the most brilliant people I know. Though he's a communicator by profession, he's an intellectual by nature. And he looks the part. Shaggy white beard and hair, wire-rimmed glasses. He's often carrying around the book that he's reading. He's always kind of reminded me of the professor that all the students love and admire, and in fact, that's sort of what he wanted to be. Growing up, I never would have expected to wind up doing this work. Um, I thought I was going to be teaching Shakespeare. That was what I was working on a PhD for, one that I never finished. And I started doing corporate communications stuff because I you know, started to have a family and I felt I ought to be making some monetary contribution to it. And I found I really liked the work. It's interesting to hear how Mike talks about communications because it's so influenced by his affinity for literature. Mike spent the last couple of decades working alongside John Awada at IBM, helping write the story of its comeback from the brink of bankruptcy and returning it to the fore of information technology. Both he and John have been central to many of Page's reports going back more than a decade. Mike's been the lead writer on the most seminal of those, The Authentic Enterprise in 2007, Building Belief in 2012, The New CCO in 2016, and this year, The CCO as Paysetter. For this last episode of the year, we're introducing you to Mike and getting his thoughts on what's happened in our profession over the last few years and where he sees it all going next. I'm Elliot Mizrahi, and this is The New CCO. To understand where we are and where we're going, it's useful to look at where we've been. August 7, 1944. The opening of the computer age. In Mike's case, his work at IBM has informed his view of the role of communications, and IBM has been a leader in that space for years. In a lot of ways, I kind of lucked into a really unusual situation at IBM. Here is management's newest and most powerful instrument for business. What IBM had become by, you know, the late 60s was the most um, reputable and profitable and arguably powerful business entity in the world. IBM became the Roman Empire and it handled it rather well. It was a very progressive company, it was a, a kind of paradigmatically responsible company, and it internalized what it means to run the world, because IBM was running the world's financial systems, it was running the world's you know, transportation systems, the world's nuclear stockpiles, the world's government operations. This is where America's peace of mind begins. Around the clock, radars, electronic eyes, watch the skies. And it internalized a level of responsibility beyond that of a typical business. On the other hand, starting in the mid-80s with the arrival of what most people understand is the PC, the client-server model, and then obviously with the emergence of the web in the mid-90s, um, uh, IBM's basic business model was no longer really operative. It could no longer be effectively a kind of monopoly that controlled the main platform, technology platform for the world. And it almost went out of business. It almost died. The thing is, it almost died, but it didn't die. And it, that turns out to be salutary. Dying isn't good, but almost dying turns out to be 
valuable because it opens up possibilities that you don't get to otherwise. The company was sitting inside this very interesting tension between knowing the stakes on the one hand, right, having been, having been running the world and knowing what you need to be responsible for if you're doing that, and knowing what all the world's large institutions and enterprises had to care about and think about on the one hand, and being conscious of the possibility of its own mortality on the other. And the hangman's noose, as Dr. Johnson noted, clarifies the mind. That tension opened up possibilities that I get, got to, to play in. And one of the interesting things that it did was to make IBM in many ways a communications-led company. The, the ideas for, uh, for branding didn't come out of the marketing function, they came out of communications. The ideas for culture change didn't come out of HR, they came out of communications. That's unusual. Most large, complex institutions only do experimentation at the periphery. We got to do experimentation at the center. And the communications function was really the driving force in that. But it had a lot to do with John. It had a lot to do with John Awada. John is a heavyweight, and there's no doubt that his vision was an important factor in how impactful the communications function became at IBM. But it's also emblematic of the potential of communications to be a strategic leader. We sit at the nexus of the stakeholders our enterprises impact and the economic, societal, and geopolitical forces that are acting upon it. It's our ability to make sense of that complex reality that opens up opportunities for communications to drive transformation, going right to the heart of what an enterprise is, what it wants and needs to become, and how to get there. That's exactly what Paige is trying to do, help CCOs understand how the world is changing and how they can help steer enterprises through those changes. What, what John drove within Page was a kind of shift from that largely networking and convening model to becoming a kind of mini think tank and becoming kind of the creator of intellectual capital, the prime creator of intellectual capital for our profession. And the first uh, instance of that was Authentic Enterprise, which was the first of the Page Thought Leadership white papers, which we published in 2007. Um, at the time that that was published, uh, this was as we remember before the financial crisis, and uh, the paper was largely a recognition of the importance of identity, and that's what was meant by authenticity, and has continued to be kind of the center of gravity of, of the idea that's driven page thought leadership. The Authentic Enterprise Report grew out of the recognition that the world had fundamentally changed. Flashing back to 2007, Facebook was still a college-only thing and MySpace was the main social network. Most of us still carried around flip phones. Still, the rise of social media and the proliferation of the internet were empowering stakeholders to discover and share information, to influence one another's perceptions and actions, and to organize around common ideas. Ultimately, it was a loss of control of the message. In many ways, the, the, the nut graph of, of authentic enterprise was the line um, we are no longer in control. The, the argument in that, in that paper was that forces of technology, most importantly, also of globalization, but primarily focused on technology, were rendering many of the traditional assumptions of 
enterprise public communications moot. Um, we used to feel the communication function used to felt it owned the, the channels, it controlled the messages, and it segmented those messages to different audiences. Well, in a world of radically democratized communication capabilities because of new technology, uh, none of those things was possible anymore. This put a greater emphasis on not just telling a great story about the enterprise, but actually being that story. As we put it in 2007, authenticity would become, quote, the coin of the realm. In fact, you could argue that that's, in a lot of ways, at the core of the kind of idea that Page has been building over the last 15 years, the idea of authenticity. The idea of authenticity uh, was not about uh, CSR stuff. It wasn't about uh, being ethical or moral, although one, of course, should be. Those are, but those are basically table stakes. Authenticity was being yourself and having a kind of really deep and clear understanding of what this organism is and where and what its dramatic arc needs to be. In fact, it's a little fanciful to say this, but you know we talk about corporate character um, and. Almost invariably, when we talk about that, what people first hear is the notion of having a strong character and being ethical and being moral and standing up for your principles. But in some ways, it's more useful to think about it as if you're talking about a character in a novel. Like, who is the chief character? You know, who is the, you know, the the pip in this version of Great Expectations? Or, you know, God forbid, the Lear in this, you know, version of King Lear. You know, if if this entity were describable as a as an as a as a person um who, how, how who would that person be and what does its trip want to be and the first step in that was understanding analyzing defining and that was the the beginning of the thought leadership work Five years down the road, the financial crisis has happened, and things are looking considerably less overall rosy uh, in the world, politically, economically, than they had when Authentic Enterprise was published. Building Belief was the next thing um, that we published, and I think it was the most important piece of thought leadership that we've done in these last 15 years at Page, because what it did was crystallize a model. I mean, the page model with corporate character, that is identity, at the core and and uh, 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 proposals for how to actually build that, and then uh, creating uh, advocacy at scale, you know, the, 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 the circle that goes around that core from uh, generating belief to turning belief into action, turning action into habit, to turning habit into advocacy. That was something that uh, page members were really uh, calling for. They really wanted not just uh, the general dictum that you need to know you know thyself and make knowing thyself the basis of your of your work, but like how do we get there? And so the looks like, sounds like, thinks like, acts like model, which we introduced there, is in many ways was a kind of early prototype of what we eventually have developed now with the progression paths. Um, but that model, that, that 
page model that we published in Building Belief was an important step toward, um, toward codifying the theory. Four years after that, in, um, in the new CCO, we took that model and, and tried to crystallize out of it uh, three key roles for the CCO him or herself. The, CC, the foundational CCO, the CCO as integrator across the C-suite and across the enterprise, and then the CCO as builder of uh, digital engagement systems. Both Building Belief and the new CCO happened inside a period of considerable uh, uncertainty and risk, uh, and feeling of risk. That uncertainty and risk was a product of what's probably the biggest business buzzword of the last decade, disruption. New technologies like automation, AI, and blockchain. New business models like the sharing and the gig economy, the uberization of services. Geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts globalization and anti-globalization. New generations of stakeholders with different sensibilities entirely about what a business should be and what it should do. Disruption is ubiquitous and almost every enterprise today, big or small, regardless of industry or age, is transforming itself in the face of these forces. The changes in the world feel to many CCOs, many heads of government, many people in in civil society, many people in academia, feel like a kind of a fundamental shift. And in that kind of inflection point, in that kind of moment of historical shift, there is enormous opportunity. And there's also enormous, you know, requirement for, need for uh, leadership. And I think that um, what Page can do today for the profession uh, of communications and much more broadly for business and society at large is in some ways a kind of large expansion of what we were lucky enough to get to do as a communications function in IBM. In many ways, I think it's fair to say that the same kind of tension between knowing the stakes, not just in a moral sense, but in an identity sense, right? The keeper of the character of the company uh, knows the stakes of, uh, of major strategic and brand and identity decisions on the one hand, and also knows the threats that are coming from the world at large and from you know a multi-stakeholder understanding of the context and therefore is in the best position more I think than CMOs more than CHROs not to cast aspersions on any of those things but the 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 CCO has uh, one foot in the deep identity of the organism and another foot in the world at large and that gives the CCO an opportunity to provide a kind of leadership that, you know, the world needs. It's about how the CCO becomes a catalyst uh, for institutional evolution and change, and that you only get to do that if you're operating at a kind of DNA level in the organization. You won't get to do that just by changing processes. You're going to actually have to do that by being able to operate at a definitional level. 
it's an important thing for the world, for the communications profession, to embrace ComTech. Not because it's trendy, not because it's just faster, or even because it increases profitability, which it, and it does all those things. It's important because this is the mechanism for increasing organizational intelligence and democratization and transformation. And somebody needs to instantiate that. The function that needs to instantiate it needs to have the fullest understanding of what the organism is and needs to become. It can't just be to sell things. As important as culture change is, it can't just be to change culture. It actually has to uh, help the these organizations, in whatever way makes sense for them, change the world. And we have that opportunity. It's not enough for Paige to just describe the circumstances and the opportunities they represent. We need to help CCOs seize those opportunities and lead in new ways, to be the center of gravity around which the enterprise evolves into what it needs to become, in all the ways that it needs to become it to have a differentiating and authentic brand that all stakeholders experience all the time, to reimagine how the enterprise works by transforming corporate culture, by meeting the growing expectation that business creates societal value, that they're sustainable and that they're purpose-driven. To help CCOs do that, Page has created what we call progression paths. These are detailed three-stage journeys that CCOs can use as a guide to go from where they are today on these things to where we believe enterprises will need to be in the future. These are actual tools that people can take and use to instantiate the journey from the older forms of communications to its future. We're seeing that the majority of CCOs find themselves in the first step of that journey that we call professional, but they're moving to the second step that we call pathfinder. And there are many very interesting and compelling examples of people shifting from the work of definition to the work of, uh, of implementation of campaigns and measurement and, um, and addressing uh, audiences not as large, homogeneous chunks of demography, but rather as individuals, and the capacity to be able to do that and to measure that. The final stage that we've envisioned for this, uh, the third stage we call pace setter, is something that we see particular instances of here and there, but by and large, this goes in many ways far beyond the work that we did at IBM. It, it institutionalizes the profession in ways that I think uh, are coming from the membership in ways that those original white papers weren't. Um, now this is really a reflection of how the profession is changing more than an exhortation to the profession to change. But, um, but I would say that one of the really interesting things to me in, in the discussions we've had with CCOs is how bold and ambitious many of these people are. These are men and women with a real sense of mission, a real sense of, 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 um, of possibility for transformation, for m making a societal impact, for transforming not just messaging, but brand and culture, um, and, and who are eager to adopt the new 
capacities that are at our, our disposal, which we're calling ComTech, uh, to, to achieve those kinds of transformations. And to me, that's very helpful. If there's one wish that I would have for the work we've done at PAGE, it's to um, instill a sense of fact-based optimism in the people who do this work and help them instill that understanding uh, in all the stakeholders who increasingly and properly have a determinative say in the shape of these institutions, the people who work there, the people who partner with them, the people who 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 uh, who supply them, the people uh, in the communities where they live, the government officials, the members, you know, the the agencies in civil society who uh, are looking to change uh, the world in in many similar ways. Um, we, you know, the, the communicators can play a, a meaningful role in that kind of leadership. And I think that, you know, the Page Society has evolved to the point where it can play a meaningful role in helping communicators do that. I mean, the, the, the pessimism that we see every day on television or online or in the newspaper, for those of us who still read newspapers, the, that pessimism, uh, whatever else it is, is a cry for leadership. Um, that, uh, that the world wants people to be able to capture the hopeful possibilities that exist in new technology, that remain in a world increasingly uh, uh, with the increasing potential for progressive globalization um, and they want leaders who can step up to that and what I've seen in in this last year last year and a half of working on and developing the uh, the CCO as pace setter is that I think a lot of that leadership within organizations and in society at large is coming and is going to come from the communications profession and I think that's you know very hopeful for the future of PAGE, and I think it's very hopeful for the world. We hope you've enjoyed this season of the new CCO. We'll be back next year with brand new episodes, but if you're looking for some holiday reading, you can find PAGE's new report, The CCO's Paysetter, at page.org. And if you want to dive more deeply into the progression paths, you can check those out at paths.page.org. Be sure to check out our latest episodes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, leave us a rating and a review. We want to hear what you think so that we can keep making this podcast more interesting and valuable to you. Special thanks go to Morning Consult and to Rivet Smart Audio, our podcast sponsors. Without their support, we wouldn't be able to bring this podcast to you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next year on the new CCO.